episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. Before we get into this week's chat, I just want to say a big thank you to all you listeners out there. The support we've gotten has been fantastic. So please keep liking, sharing, and supporting this podcast, and we will keep pumping out better and better episodes for you. On this week's episode, we have the amazing Dylan Gowan on. We sat down and had quite the chat with this gentleman. He is a fantastic drummer. He plays for bands such as Vesperia, Iamir, Malice Divine, Hallows Die, and Birds of Bellwood. He is a quite a busy guy. Uh, we hopped into this episode and immediately started talking, so it will come in at a, at a random point, but I assure you this is quite uh, an amazing chat we had. So without further ado, our talk with Dylan Gowan. Yeah, I, I have it written down here that you have a beard, and it looks like you uh, you still do. A little so. bit. Kind of got it a little, a little like, um, I, I screwed up shaving, because this is the first time I've grown a beard, right? And it's like, well, you're in quarantine, the first, it's, and it's like, well, never grown a beard, might as well try it, and really liked it. And then as I was trying to trim it, because it's like after the four-week mark, you're allowed to kind of trim it and shape it, I... Trimmed a little too <laughs> low from the from the lip line because I was trying to go from like trying to do like the like the curved look. Oh, yeah. uh, then mm-hmm. that got botched, so I just retried. Like I just shaved it and then regrew it again. So see, Corey, So this is like about two weeks in. I think Corey and I have different uh, views on trimming. Corey doesn't trim. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I do. I do, dude. I trim. I trim, but like. Maybe three times. No, a actually, year. I, yeah. I keep mine like I'll do it like, right. every like maybe week or two. Um, and wh- when I trim, you don't really notice it that much because you know. right. I just trimmed. Uh, I just trimmed yesterday. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Well, it looks good. Nice, Thanks, buddy. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Looking <laughs> sexy. I trim my mustache every couple of weeks, or I try to, because it just it gets in everything. Yeah. yeah. I've got a I've got a new mustache. Yeah, the lady does uh, like trimming it. technique. That I just started doing, yeah, because I used to just oh, do yeah? like I used to What's just that? like cut along the bottom, like the top of my lip line, to like even it all out. So it would almost be like yeah, like a shelf, right? Like it hangs mm-hmm. over. But yeah, um, I started just cutting the whole thing with like a guard on my razor. So that was more of like a caterpillar <laughs> as opposed to like a <laughs> like a scoopy kind of thing, if that makes any sense. And I, I do like it? it. What do you think? All right. Well, that's nice. good then. Yeah, because uh, I used to. Because I, yeah. I always, I always, yeah. Because I always thought you were supposed to like you're supposed to cut like um, well, it's like you're using your your lip line as a guide to to kind of like when you're tr- trimming it. It's like you're trying to 
not go straight across, but you have to do it like angled and then and then down so it matches the same as your lip line. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll still do that so there's nothing hanging over. But I find just I wanted it to be a bit shorter. Because doing it like right. doing it the way I used to, it just it was a puffier mustache. <laughs> and uh Right, right, right. <laughs> and so I decided, like, you know what? I want it to be like kind of tidy looking right now. And I find like yeah. you know, having dreads for so long, it's like I never had like got to have haircuts and look you know, like you get a haircut and you feel fresh and good. And now that yeah. I like shave the sides, I can trim the beard and it's like, oh, I feel like I just kind of got like a makeover. Right, right, right. <laughs> Corey, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I love makeovers. <laughs> I actually need to trim my, my hair. Yeah? Now. It's that time of year. I do it in the spring and the fall, huh. usually. I do a trim. It's down to my ass again, so Jesus. fuck. Got to trim it up to my nipples. That's crazy. That's how that works. Every six months, man. Grows what like are you weeds. doing with the... It's Half of it's falling out, but the other half that's still there <laughs> is like still yeah. grows like crazy. <laughs> what are you doing with uh, the old hair? One of these days... Are we going to sell the old that? hair? <laughs> oh, should we make that a part of our... Uh, our it's, Patreon it's package. Turn it, <laughs> you can get my hair turn clippings. Turn it into, into drumsticks. Just try and like, just get Ew. them like wrapped around. Get them like, get like the Los Cabos kind of just hair, <laughs> hair <laughs> brushes. Some, like with epoxy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, any of my, my used sticks that are on the floor, I pick it up and it's just clumps of hair <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Man, uh, I, I've got to go get those Los Cabos sticks from you. I broke mine and now I'm using garbage sticks again. I hate it. Oh, which which ones Dude. are you using? Um, like the Los Cabos. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I just like at the. I just started using the um, Red Hickory Rock sticks, and uh, oh, true, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just like destroying my Vic Firth ones so much, and they were so expensive. I was getting angry, so I was like, you know what? Like these need to last me several practices, not just one. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the last four sets of of Vic Firth I bought. They all broke in the first practice. Oh, it's brutal. Bullshit. Um, and they're like $16 a pair. Like. 16 bucks? Yeah. Right? Jesus. I know. Yeah. yeah, dude. When's the last time you paid $16 for a pair of sticks, Dylan? Um, <laughs> Back in, tw- I want to say 2014, I think. Fuck. But. Yeah. But yeah, no, because I because I mainly switched because I switched from from five B's to five A's, so I've switched to a lot thinner sticks because playing it's weird playing with birds. Um, you'd be playing in a lot more smaller rooms, and they wanted because um, I felt like the five B's sometimes you they would overpower all the other instruments. Like sometimes yeah. you would get um, you would get like. Uh, Somebody who knows the knows how to, uh, like, kind of knows the the whole like acoustics of a room and stuff like that. And then they just found that when I was playing five B's, then I so it would just overpower everything. And then when I switched to five A's, it just felt better. And I don't know, I just felt like I I can get more speed out of a five A. And yeah, I yeah, I found uh, I I was using. Like, cause, so a while ago, I found a st- I found a stick bag full of sticks on the side of the road, like a year ago. And, on the side of the road, yeah, just like walking, it was just like there's a stick bag and like a little hardware bag, and uh, I looked around, there's no one anywhere, so I was like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> and uh, in there was uh, a bunch of different types of sticks. I think it was something like a jazz guy, because it was like brushes and like a lot of light ones, but one of them was a set of like uh, Vic Firth five 
five A um, nylon tip things, and uh, they actually feel pretty good. I'm surprised, and I've been playing them for the last few mm-hmm. months. But I find, you know, with centuries, I don't need to worry about overpowering anything. So I want to hit as hard as I can and have everything as loud as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our first rehearsal back from like a few months of not jamming, I had just gotten a set of the Red Hickory Rock Sticks. And I was like, yeah, we're going to go in and like, I'm going to play with them. And like, yeah, I don't really do a lot of blast beat practices, like when I buy myself. And so mm. we jumped into one of our songs and I'm blasting. And it was my first time using these bigger sticks again. And so I was used to the small ones and then I'm doing a blast beat and I could just feel my forearms feeling like puffy and swollen. I was like, oh my God, oh. this is so hard. <laughs> it's no, it's funny. It's uh, like anytime like, um, no, cause I can totally relate. Cause after the, the rock, the rink tour that, and it's just, you're playing two months, uh, two months of just going like, okay, four on the floor, steady rock beat, you know, for 30 minutes, 30 minutes a night. And then, the moment after that uh, after that uh tour it's like then there was a double bill with vesperia and iomer oh. in december and and it's like vesperia's all blast beats and iomer is sometimes but like but the first practice i just remember i think my arms were just on fire and it just felt like they had their own pulse like their own heartbeat <laughs> yeah. in a sense like yeah <laughs> like it, it, it just felt like it felt like it's like it felt like I was just an out of shape boxer and it's like, OK, I got to get I got to get in shape again. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, eventually like it got a bit better. And uh, but it was just like those, oh, those yeah, first yeah. couple of songs were really rough. Yeah, no, I, I hear you because but eventually it's like a week, a week of relearning all of that material. It's like I'm sure you you're, you just pick it up again, like kind of like just riding a bike. Totally. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, it also helped like our newer songs have like way more blasting and a lot and they're a lot faster too than our older songs so i get more time to practice it fuck man we have one section in one of our new songs i don't know why i decided like i agreed to this (laughs) we were writing and it's like (laughs) the song starts and it's a blast at 240 for fucking like a minute like it's just i don't know how i'm possibly going to do this live (laughs) it's like i haven't gotten through it yet and it's just like so fast and so long and uh it's rough like one of those ones where Amen. I had to just sit there and like close my eyes and just like breathe. <laughs> I can't headbang, <laughs> no extra movements. I'm just like <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> You can do it, man. I know you can. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Uh you'll get there. You'll yeah. get there for sure. I'll just sample it. Sit back. <laughs> <laughs> sample it. Oh, come on, man. You can play it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll get there eventually. I remember I think yeah. in the quarantine, uh, well, during quarantine, it's like I came up with something really, really freaking stupid in terms of just like, so I had an idea. I got really into history over like being in lockdown, just like getting into like old Scottish and English history. And I thought, okay, so if I wanted to make a song about the Battle of Stirling Bridge, like the one of William Wallace's like famous battles, right? So the year of it, I think is like, 1257 so i tried to write something going one one two one two three four five one two three four five six seven (laughs) and it's it sounded i was trying to do like this mashuga e like chugging pattern 
and it just sounded it was probably like one of the dumbest things i wrote (laughs) because it makes no sense musically like it doesn't sound like in my mind i thought oh this is going to be like super creative like and and it's like can someone like decipher that code and it's like really it's just it's just it's it sounded it sounded like a train wreck it was so dumb (laughs) Uh, i love whenever that happens I feel like you could just like you could just make it in that time with your feet and keep a four on the floor over top of it. It might sound like something, maybe. Yeah, like, like maybe. I, I think that can. I mean, it can, it can kind of make it can kind of make sense in that in that regard for sure. But it just felt like when I was watching the Guitar Pro, um, uh, when I was watching just like the Guitar Pro like meter and then and all the notes that i wrote for that one it's like it just went way too fast like that just that one bar just went (laughs) 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 it's like it just sounds like you dropped a bag of sticks on your kit oh dude it's it sounded terrible (laughs) it's like in my at three o'clock in the morning it sounds like it's some really rad idea but then when you when you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and then just realize that the thing that you wrote is probably like the dumbest thing (laughs) it's kind of like you spend a whole bunch of time at practice working on a specific section of a song and then the next practice you just change it (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it it kind of i I guess when it's when it's not when it's not recorded it's like now that's the that's the the time you can really like experiment and try different things and different ideas and it feels like what works in one practice might not work in another so you just constantly try and reinvent that same part until eventually you stumble across something that's that's super uh that's super cool that works mm-hmm. with with the song that you're trying to that you're trying to write yeah totally yeah a lot a lot of the time though it it's kind of you like change 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 until it's time to record and you're like okay we have to figure out what one what version we're okay. recording here <laughs> so it's whatever you land on last that's what gets laid down and that's it's, it <laughs> no more changing what it what i found though from like from what i found with the difference between like metal uh engineers and like pop engineers is that i find that metal engineers are like okay try and get as tight to the grid as possible but also don't sound robotic that's kind of like the big the big thing but with a pop guy they're like no 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 take out take out this part take out this part like there's a lot more trimming and then they go like Trimming in the sense that, like, you're doing something that's you're trying to be as simple as possible with without sounding too simple. Yeah. But, but at the same time, though, it's like you come up with this really cool kind of like Thomas Pridgen, Thomas Lang thing over this like kind of like Bruno Mars ish inspired part, and and you're thinking, oh, this sounds great, and the producer just just yells on the talk back mic make it simpler you know like, and, oh. <laughs> and then it gets and yeah, then it gets less. like kick snare kick snare it's like perfect <laughs> it's like it's like why yeah. am i even here? <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> like, i just program but it. then when you but when you hear it in the context of it you're like shit he's right he's totally right <laughs> it's interesting because you play like you know death metal like pretty extreme stuff too but also like like you're in a pop band <laughs> Like that's yeah, yeah. those are two like vastly different worlds, and it's just <laughs> that's interesting because I mean, 
I think a lot of metal drummers would be of the mind frame, like, oh, yeah, pop's, like, really easy and stuff. But, like, you know, it's, I'm sure there's challenges, like, there's different types of challenges. It's not necessarily an endurance thing, but kind of like you said, where there's something to be said about, like, not overplaying in it, I imagine. Yeah, like, the, the, the big difference that I find with, I mean, I it's always, it's, you know, I've always been kind of at the, like, for the longest time, I thought, I thought pop music wasn't as musically interesting as i said like a lot of the progressive metal stuff that i normally listen to that's why i kind of gravitated towards that world more often than i do a lot of the kind of the pop sphere so to speak but i kind of by playing with birds of bellwoods really gave me kind of a lot more respect to the the pop world in the sense that i see a lot of the drummers that are that are in that world and their pocket is really 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 good and and then it's just it kind of was a learning opportunity to go to these guys and really kind of pick their brains with with basically learning how to do dynamics cuz playing in death metal it's like you have it's like the the biggest challenge is playing with a lot of intensity but also making sure that it sounds really clean mm-hmm. and it sounds you know it, it sounds it doesn't sound like a robot it sounds very kind of human right but the big thing that was that's that really helped me with with um within the guess the pop world is really kind of being kind of adding those progressive metal elements to it in terms of like doing more kind of like more Tom stuff, more kind of things on the, on the ride, a lot of off time and odd meter stuff. And that kind of helped me shape where my drumming style would fit in a band like birds of Bellwoods who who are very open-minded musically. Like I remember these guys came to a couple of, uh, Vesperia shows that kind of took me by surprise. Like these guys who are so immersed in the pop world that they're open-minded to listening to a genre that they normally wouldn't listen to, but they just want to go because they just love live music. And I guess, I guess I'll say like, I think I was kind of rambling a little bit, but the biggest differences that I find with, with pop and metal drumming is that with pop, less is more is a big thing. Um, dynamics is huge. That was a big learning curve with with being in a band like Birds, um, and also knowing when to when to play and when to not play. Like that's the other thing is like you kind of have to let the song really really breathe within pop because majority of the time you are, I mean with with drumming you're you're pretty much a supporting role. Like you're not the guy who's going to be taking the mic and like and yelling and trying to get the. Uh, trying to get the crowd moving. What your job is, you're trying to get the crowd dancing. Yeah. But, but you kind of do that. But metal does that too, right? It's like it's with, as opposed with pop music, it's like they'll dance to like a, a certain way. But with like metal, it's like okay, head banging, right? That's like a certain style of dance and trying to keep that meter going. But, um, but with metal drumming, I find it's like you. It has to be. It has to be very crisp. It has to sound very clean because there's a lot of notes being played. And, and I find that you have to be, you know, adding in more, I guess, like creative, I, there's more open to experimentation when it comes to, um, like progressive metal playing or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say like learning those two worlds and kind of jumping back and forth between the two is definitely really, it's definitely helped up my playing. So despite, um, you know, maybe some metal guys are like, you know, screw pops, pops dumb. It's like you, you kind of, 
need to have that in your vocabulary to have at least some sort of pop sensibility because it just helps you as a better player. So when you go back to your metal stuff, then you have like all of these different ideas that you normally wouldn't have if you were if you were kind of shutting yourself off from another musical style. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely found that as well. Uh, I wouldn't say that Johnny No Cash Celtic Outlaws is uh, pop music per se, but it definitely showed me that, you know, it doesn't have to be intense all of the True. time. And going from, you know, playing in, in Crimson and, and everything and then sitting down with him and he's just like, um, how about you just hit the floor tom uh, at the top of every bar yeah. and you're going to do that for half the song. And was, at first I was like, man, fuck this. Like, why am I even here? Like, he's got me playing a fucking tambourine. And now, like, I embrace it and I love it. And I love being able to build the song and, and add that dynamic to it. Um, and it's made me kind of, like, rethink about when I'm playing metal songs and how I can build them in different ways and provide more of an atmosphere to the song rather than just blasting at, you know as as hard and fast as i can yeah. for five minutes straight right no totally but plus like with with the johnny no cash stuff it's like you've also learned um dynamics when it comes to i guess country elements to it because there's a lot of, like i find like mm -hmm. i don't know if if johnny would 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 agree with me if i said this but there's a lot of kind of country elements to his to his material that i think that you've learned just by playing playing with him like um like for one of the songs it's like i remember you were playing like a shuffle pattern on the snare and learning how to do the kind of dynamics when it comes to uh doing that kind of country country train beat right and how that works both of your hands to go like to yeah. kind of give that push pull feel yeah that was actually that took a lot of work when i when i realized i was like i have to learn this beat and at first I was like, I, I couldn't do it. And it sounds so simple and easy to do. But then when you actually sit down and you're working with the dynamics between, you know, your accent hits and, and everything like that, you're like, fuck, this is actually, you know, this has to be perfect and tight or else it sounds like a complete mess. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, actually getting that down was, was like a game changer. That was one of the beats where I was just like, okay, there's there's something more to this style of playing and, and that country type of type of feel than uh, I really gave it credit for in the beginning. So no, no. yeah, and I he would definitely agree that <laughs> he he loves to hear that that uh, people think there's there's country in our music. You know, he hates being called a metal band. <laughs> like that. He wants to be a country band. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I think that, um, like the biggest thing that I, I would, I would say, I guess, like the biggest piece of advice I would give to somebody who is, who's playing is like, try and learn a little bit of everything that you can and try and play with as many different groups as you can, regardless of style. Because let's say if like, if, cause I could safely say that all three of us, our favorite style is metal by, by far, mm -hmm. but yeah. Ultimately, when when we play in other when we play other styles, it's like we can incorporate what we learned playing country or pop or funk or uh, jazz or whatever kind of style that you can think of, and you incorporate it back into metal. You can realize that you have a new perspective on how to approach metal playing, and that in turn just makes you a more well balanced player, and it just makes you 
kind of it just makes you want to experiment more when it comes to just coming up with different grooves and fills and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely it's definitely something that is um it's definitely something just like, you know, more knowledge, more knowledge is power, right? So um totally. I find like um yeah. I I spent a you know, I only play in centuries. It's my only band and uh I haven't historically done a lot of session work with other bands. Um I've only ever played metal bands, but when it comes to my own practice, I rarely actually practice metal. Uh, yeah, like I was telling you guys earlier, like I don't really sit and do blast beat drills very often. I do do a lot of double bass stuff. Um, but typically I'll put on like for the longest time, I've got a, a Roland electronic kit and I would just play through like the various, uh, drumless tracks on that. And like, none of them are metal. There's a lot of funk and fusion and jazz and, um, you know, salsa and stuff like that. But then, uh, I also spend a lot of time, with drumless tracks on YouTube. Uh, and sometimes it's fun to just sit and literally like see how well you can blend in. And it's interesting, like you were saying, cause that's some, one thing that, you know, metal drumming isn't necessarily about blending in a lot of the time, especially like, you know, the way I play, which is, I'm a fairly busy player for the most part, but metal drumming, I think can afford to be a lot flashier, uh, than, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying with something like, yep. You know, if you're playing in a pop band, they don't want you doing a bunch of, uh, rudiment, and like crazy fills and stuff like that they want you to like like you said make people dance um yeah (laughs) but uh i i i also like yeah i completely agree that like the more varied you are and what you can play and what you enjoy um the better everything's gonna be like uh lately with our new stuff that we're recording i definitely find the drumming is in some ways a lot more technical and busy but then in other ways i feel a lot more aware of like where i need to sit back and you you wait and i feel like if you know how to kind of balance those two it will make your technical parts sound that much more impressive if you don't do them as often because you know the person will be rocking out then all of a sudden it's like oh this is a really crazy like double bass part or like this really technical thing that i wasn't expecting and it just makes it more impactful in that regard right and but that that all still that all still counts right when you're when you're practicing to uh, tracks that are embedded into the into the the brain of the that electric kit and trying all those different styles. It's like that still counts as practicing other um, other styles of music mm-hmm. and and playing playing a lot of technical stuff within within centuries. It's definitely it's definitely something that that well because I've seen I've seen you play several times and you're a very very technical player and very like I mean both both you and Corey are very very solid players. Always really like. Always enjoy seeing you guys seeing you guys play, <laughs> and <laughs> and vice versa. My and, and yeah, and I get with the, I guess with the century stuff, it's like as you were saying, it's like there's there's a lot more uh, technical elements elements to it, and I'm sure that by just practicing other other styles, it's kind of helped you become more comfortable playing within um, playing different technical. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of rambling here, but like, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure like playing other styles has definitely helped out uh, with a, having a te- more technical approach when it comes to the drumming in centuries. Totally, and I'm a big fan of um, like most of my favorite drummers are not metal drummers at all, but I'm a big fan of seeing. Um, you actually mentioned Thomas Pridgen earlier, and I was watching a video of him recently, and it was just like insane what he was doing. But like. I love taking some of what I see from some of these drummers and being like, okay, well, how can I incorporate this into a metal song? And, you know, a lot of like rudiment heavy fills are, they're not easy to put into metal and make them work. You know, typically metal, mm-hmm. metal's 
pretty much dominated by single strokes and you know yeah. throwing you know <laughs> throwing in dynamic fills with like you know double paradiddles and stuff like that um is tricky and that doesn't fit everywhere so it suddenly makes you think about what you're doing where you're putting things a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. like it's it's funny though it's like there's there's this one drummer that i follow um i'm sure you guys know her called um her name is uh sarah thower oh we talked about her and, like two weeks ago are you kidding oh, man, me she's, she's incredible yeah. Dude, I've been trying to like there's one video of hers where she did like this um this five grouping. I think I saw I think it was like a, a collab video that she did with the Pocket Queen. Yeah. And there's it's this really killer fill where it's like it's it sounds simple, but when she speeds it up, it sounds ridiculous. And I've been trying to incorporate that into a song because it sounds so freaking cool. It's just snare kick, snare kick, snare kick, kick. It's like, well, wait, hold on. Fuck. I can't remember. I was trying to remember how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways it's a grouping um it's a grouping of five that i've been trying to in- incorporate and it's just i haven't found where to where to place it yet oh man she's so good i watched a video recently of her talking about like doing a solo and she was just had a mic beside her and she's doing all this crazy stuff and just explaining what she's doing as she's doing it and then at one point she was talking about like how like oh you hear what i'm doing here i'm playing on the e because it's like you know a one e and a two e and a and it's just yeah, yeah, she's yeah. just playing like a regular kind of four on the floor beat, and then she just like bumped it off the grid for a little bit, and then bumped it back on, and it just sounded so cool that she like had such a command over the timing that she could just hop around and, um, you know, just kind of play out of time without even thinking of it, and it was perfect sounding. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, it's insane. Yeah, it was really hard to do, especially like something like you know it's four on the floor. I thought like oh yeah, I'll be able to get that no problem, and I'm like oh wow, no, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> i remember i remember the first um the first practice that we we did for uh for rock the rink with with birds i remember like we, there's always one song that we always start the set with called melatonin and that's just the whole entire song well about 90 percent of it is just kick drum just one two three four like super simple right and you're and but it kind of picks up steam halfway through the song and you're just even though it's just four on the floor, sometimes um, one of the guys in the band going, just, just bring it down, bring the volume down a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and it's like, what? he's like, the timing's right, but the, you're, you're hitting it too hard. It's <laughs> like, pull, pull the energy back a bit. And I'm like, so I got to the point where I thought I was, I was playing it correctly. And then I just feathered it, like just hit it like, uh, not as soft as I can, but just kind of like just a little bit above feathering, fe- feathering the the kick. And he's like, perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> but I want it hard. It's like, it's like, I want to rock. But again, that that's where the dynamics comes in. It's like, you gotta, you just gotta know when to, when to really rock out and play heavy and then when to really kind of drop the volume down and let the other instruments breathe mm-hmm. yeah you you kind of just want it to be felt slightly and not hurt. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like just get a little bit of low end moving but not like punching you in the yeah. face because it would like know? with like yeah. vesperia or Islemer, it's like okay now here comes the freight train for 30 minutes and <laughs> and then and then see you later but with 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 birds it's um the challenge was just basically like okay pulling pulling way back now you can rock out pull way back now you can rock out so it's like 
<laughs> it's it's definitely an ongoing challenge, but it's it's one that's that's very um that's been very very helpful. Yeah, I'll say the same thing with with no cash and and when we get on on stage and everything, I have a very very difficult time not beating the shit out of my drums. <laughs> uh <laughs> especially if it's a really good show i'm really into yeah. it like i i make sure that it's like really intense and uh after afterwards if we like listen back to it and john would be like oh man like you're hitting way too hard there. <laughs> <laughs> like you know like just tame it down a bit you know but uh yeah it, it, it's hard it's hard when you're you're playing live and you have the energy of the crowd and everything and you really just want to you know put your energy into it but you have to like you know, calm yourself down and be like, no, I have to you know, worry about my dynamics and make sure everything is portrayed properly. How the band wants it. It's, it yeah. It, God, it was so funny. There was one, um, cause there's one instance where it's like, where it's like, you get that in a show where it's like, you, it's like, okay, everything's really sitting well. And then at the very last song, it's like, you just decide to go all in. And I remember the last, um, after that show, I was sent a video of of um you know you guys have watched South Park right? I have watched it. I have that's uh yes. it's daunting to think about going and getting caught up because there's so many episodes now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this there's a scene where where they're all trying to play in a band, right? But um it's like a marching band, but Cartman gets so into it that he starts like beating the hell out of his snare drum. <laughs> it just <laughs> felt like it's just like I get sent that video and you're just like, this was you, this was you at the last song. <laughs> it's just Cartman beating the crap out of his snare drum. And I'm just like, all right, all right, I get it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think too, like, you know, being a metal drummer for such a long time, it's completely ingrained in me that like I have to hit hard. Every snare hit is pretty much a rim shot. Like, yeah, every time I hit my toms, I'm hitting them as hard as I can to make them cut. So the idea of, uh, you know, playing with something lighter, uh, I definitely feel like it would take a long time to get used to not wailing on my drums. Oh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the rim shot, the rim shot thing, because that was definitely something that I had to unlearn was playing a lot less. Uh, it's like because I would play rim shots all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. it, it would just be a natural thing to just go okay there's no blast beat now we're going to heavy groove it's like want the kick i want that snare to really punch through i'm gonna hit a rim shot but now it's like the opposite of that don't do any rim shots and just hit the center of the snare uh, center of the snare and that's a challenge for sure because oh, you'll man. hear like the producer will he will hear it and go play the rim shot do it again and i'm like frig <laughs> yeah that's uh <laughs> oh man it's like a different world yeah it's really odd being the only guy who wears all the band tees. He <laughs> just, it just feels like anytime I'm in, a, I mean, it feels like anytime I'm in a photo with, with birds, it's like, it's like that thing in Sesame street where it's like, one of these things is not like, <laughs> it's like who Photoshopped this guy into this band. <laughs> you just always like kind of half cut out and, or cropped out of their photos. Yeah. yeah. That's Dylan. We don't talk about him. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about him but it, it's funny though it's like finally finally joining the band full-time like since november it's been just awesome it's just been awesome now because it's like trying to now it's like instead of being like a guy who's just a hired gun to being somebody who can who can start 
throwing in their own ideas and start trying to get more involved into the creative process, that definitely helps out. You're playing a lot because now you're dealing with guys who have a vast vocabulary of, of different, um, of different bands that they like and styles that they want to incorporate into, into the songwriting of the band. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I've always wanted to play like other stuff and, uh, not being able to juggle it. I'm like, yeah, that's like, I can't put more on my plate right now, but, um, I'm a big fan of just doing like, you know, pocket work and, and, uh, just seeing how well you can kind of blend it in. And I remember we, I had touched on this earlier about the idea of when you hold back, it feels like when you do get busy, it makes it more impressive almost. And, um, yeah, when I was in high school, my partner at the time was a Nickelback fan. And I remember oh, yeah. that there was one song that had a double bass part in it, like a very quick one. It might've been like a, like, a, you know, four or eight notes or something like that, but he used a double bass and it was just like, I remember thinking like, geez, like that part sounded huge. And it was just like a dun, 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 dun or something like that. And yeah. because there was no other double bass in any of the other songs that she had played, I was like kind of shocked with how effective that sounded. And that kind of stuck with me. Um, yeah, you know, something like that. I think it would be kind of the same idea where, you know, you're laying back for the majority of your songs and all of a sudden there's one part where there's actually like, I'll say a big fill, but even doesn't even, doesn't even need to be a big fill because regardless, it'll sound kind of huge if you do like a 16th note (laughs) at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, it's like sometimes I'm trying to remember what, what song, uh, it's, it's when you, it's like, um, trying to remember that's that cynic song the um i think it was i think it's adam's murmur i think where there's one section where where sean just does this really solid like tom groove and then all of a sudden when they get into the chorus part he does this really super fast double kick section and it just kind of comes out of nowhere and it just makes for the whole song to be like it goes from this like ethereal moment to this kind of intense uh Part. and it just feels like this such like emotional roller coaster that you just hear in his playing and it's just uh it it's, it's like i said with that nickelback song it really kind of it sticks with you because you just don't expect it to happen and then when it does happen it just it's it just jumps out jumps out at you and you just feel like like how did he do that how is he able to kind of turn the song from this to this without making it sound jarring mm-hmm. you know totally there's um you ever heard the band Nero de Marte they've got some stuff that's similar similar to that and like they'll have like songs that are kind of they're uh, an intense like band but uh, they're also pretty atmospheric and there's stuff like you know the song is kind of droney and heavy and but there's not a lot of double bass and then they stop and there's like this acoustic section that's just like just just guitar for a while and then it just yeah. kicks back in with these like pummeling 16th notes at probably like 220 but the snare is like <laughs> like halftime it's so devastating sounding and it's just like <laughs> hits it's like punches you in the face and i've always loved mm-hmm. stuff like that what would you say would be like your favorite your favorite groove that you've heard from from a metal band because like there's always like ones that are there's always the famous ones that stick out but i'm always curious to kind of to know like what would be like when you first heard that groove it's like you had to immediately go and go behind your drum kit and try and try and practice it. Oh man. So I've been a fill guy for most of my life. Like I, you know, I could easily throw out a bunch of fills. I think the earliest one I can think of the groove would be, um, the end of, uh, end of deliverance by Opeth. 
like a oh classic. I don't know. Yeah, it's so good. I remember like trying so hard to learn how to play that. Um, you know, when I was like, like fifteen, and it seemed impossible at the time. And now it's like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. But yeah, that was one that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Corey? Yeah, that. Um, the one that comes into my head—I don't know if it's like a groove or anything—but uh, Arch Enemy. Um, oh, now I can't think of the name of the song, but um, the beginning of it just starts out with da 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 like just whole notes on the snare, but then the kick is is doing that pattern, um, and then it just fucking goes balls to the walls. But uh, as soon as I I heard that song, I had to learn mm. that, and I'm still <laughs> I'm still working on getting that uh, nice and tight and everything. Even these you know what's days, funny is, but yeah, I think it's I think it's first I deadly think, sin. I, I think, think I know the part uh, you're talking about, and ironically enough, I think that was like an inspiration in um, a song off of uh, our first album. Our song Demise has a thing where it wasn't like, it's not that similar, but it is kind of like a, I do a snare pattern mm-hmm. with my feet and then I switch my hands and feet and uh, it's a similar idea. Yeah. So, so, so the feet are, or uh, I think it's, yeah, the feet are doing the pattern and the snare is just doing a straight roll and then it switches and then the snare's doing the, the pattern and the feet are just doing a straight roll and yeah, dude, it's, uh, I don't know. It's badass. Like. I don't know if it's like like groovy, but uh, yeah, that's one that sticks out in my head. Something that, like I had to go play nice. that. Like it's just badass. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, um, yeah. I'd say, I mean, there's that's tough. <laughs> um, okay, I'll say I'll say the one the one recently that's that's been stuck in my head for a while that I've been really trying to trying to learn is uh, "Light by Periphery." There's this really cool kind of off time groove that Matt does where it's just like um, it's just basically it's just all in four four. But it, the, the way that it kind of goes is like it's like kind of like this really kind of super like mashuga e. Well, it's periphery, of course, but like but it's it's just got this really kind of it's the kicks and the rhythms are matching together and it's just super off time all like throughout the whole thing. It's never really kind of lands on a, it's like, it feels like it's going to land on a downbeat, but it never really does. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like just wrapping your head around the fact that it's like, okay, the only thing that's really kind of keeping this from going, going anywhere even crazier than what it is, is just that just keeping time with your, um, just, keeping the quarter notes on the uh on the china and or if you're using a trash hat like i am yeah. then i'm just use a trash hat it but like, kind of sounds similar it's, to it's, uh like the art of dying the way he does that uh by gojira yeah which i tried to learn yeah. recently and i've got like the pattern down but being able to play it all together is just like oh my god <laughs> like how is this how is this possible <laughs> Because 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 it, it, it goes at the beginning, he does that kind of he does those like rim shots, right? Like think that's yeah, it's like um, it's like um, a three. It jumps back and forth between like three and two and and or something like that. Um, but 
yeah, it's just like those kind of beats that would sound like noise if it wasn't for one pulse kind of keeping it all together. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's the one thing about Gojira that I'm like super impressed with. I was never a huge fan until more recently, I'd say. I just found it a little boring. Uh, and then once I actually started like fully listening to it, uh, he makes it sound a lot simpler than it really is. Yeah. Because he just keeps those quarter notes going, right? But like then when you actually break it down and try to learn it, you're like, holy fuck, like this is actually not easy to do <laughs> with all your limbs going at like diff- doing completely different things. And yeah, I've been getting into Gojira like a lot more and Periphery for, for that matter. I, uh, I never really got into Periphery when they first came out, but their production is fucking top notch and uh matt behind the kit is just a fucking beast oh matt's man. insane so, he's yeah he's he's nuts. a ridiculous player and i think if you if you're into the gojira and um stuff as well as um as well as periphery a band that i would really recommend that i think you guys would really dig is 12 foot ninja because oh, a I've lot of their them. stuff is like a lot of their stuff is kind of like a blend of those two but they but they incorporate some like funk and latin and reggae stuff and it's just like a mishmash of a bunch of different styles thrown in but their drumming style just it's like it's super chaotic at one point like in one hand killing it goes into this like really killer off time stuff and then it goes into this like this latiny kind of like piano piece and it's just like all cross stick and works with the bell and the uh, and the toms, it's really, really cool stuff. So I'd highly recommend checking, checking, checking that out for sure. <clears throat> nice. With a name like that, man, like hundred percent, I'm checking <laughs> it out. <laughs> it's kind of like okay, they're they're like a less chaotic Trollhagen, I think. Oh yeah, yeah? Okay. it's like yeah, it's like instead of the kind of like when I first listened to that band, it's like it's not like the Saturday morning cartoon kind of kind of. <laughs> Um, song structures kind of thrown in randomly. It's like they'll just add more Latiny parts. But that's a band that would tour really well. That would go really well with Twelve Foot Ninja. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. If anyone from Trolltogans listening and Twelve Foot Ninja, you guys should link <laughs> up. Where Where is uh, Twelve Foot Ninja from? Do they're, you know? Oh, what they're actually they're from, from. They're from Australia. Oh shit! Well, that makes yeah. sense then. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Derek, if you if you've never heard Trolltogen, I highly highly suggest. I will. I'll check out. those out just for there. you. Yeah, it, you have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's like if you were to describe their sound, it would be like picture a Saturday morning cartoon on acid, but then became a metal band, and that's what they, <laughs> and that's what they they are. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, I'll check yeah. it out. I'll let yeah. you guys know. I'll report back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check out the check out the song Lefty's Wild yeah. Ride. Oh, that's cool. That's a good one. <laughs> it's a it's a classic. That whole record though is amazing. And uh we were touring with them when they were uh, when they just released that album, so the whole set was just bangers, man. They were so much fun to nice. to tour with. Great guys. So I thought of um yeah, taking a left turn here kind of, but I just there's two more grooves that I wanted to mention that I thought of as we were chatting there. Um yeah, yeah, and they're both from Porcupine Tree. I don't know if you guys listen to them. Um, oh, I love that band. But uh, the first one was the Sound of Music. Oh, yeah, that is yeah, such yeah. a good groove, um, and it was just like such a fun song to play. And I just loved how he's playing this 
beat that sounds like he's doing a bunch of stuff, but his kick drum is actually just constant um, for most of that main yeah. beat. Um, and then the next one was Bonnie the Cat. I okay. I was I was just gonna say about that one where it's like everything is just like everyone gets their own time signature in that. Song. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got to see a clinic with Gavin Harrison and he explained how to play that. And um, it's interesting because yeah, his his bass drum is not on beat one; it's on the end of one, and it makes the whole yeah. thing just feel a little off, <laughs> which in a good way because like they they nailed it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I always thought that was a really interesting beat. Yeah, that that's that's definitely one that's kind of been like his, because um, wasn't wasn't that song like pretty much it was between him and I forget the keyboard player in that was the bassist. Forget the keyboard player was it the bassist? I think so. Like, cause it was, cause it was like them trying to do as many different time signatures in that same thing as possible, yet still, you know, yeah. keeping the same and it, same. Uh, pulse going yeah and they set it up too so that the bass notes are in between the kick notes as opposed to with them so it sounds like a lot more going on and yeah uh, yeah it was just really a really interesting way of approaching it mm-hmm. yeah i'm checking it out right now bonnie the cat this is uh pretty groovy yeah. <laughs> they had some like they had some really killer killer tracks like i was trying to think of what was the other one that was really good. like antithesize is a really good one. Oh man if, yeah if, and like that's like that's a really good song and even even um uh way out of here if you listen to the live version gavin's a little bit more busier he's adding a lot more tom fills to it Mm -hmm. and it just sounds super groovy and he does it gets into this kind of like meshuggah-y kind of inspired part towards the very end before it goes into like the last chorus and it's just that band uh it's that's one of the bands i really wish i got to see live and i just never i haven't actually listened to them for a long time and i feel like as soon as we're done here, I'm just going to go put an album on. <laughs> like the incident or something. But man, that's so lucky though. you got to see Gavin. Uh, I got a picture with him Gavin, too. I met Gavin him. Harrison. And I've got like on my Facebook somewhere, there's a super awkward picture of me. I was like completely starstruck. I was, it was just before I moved to Toronto. And like a big reason I decided to stop my job and like come up here and start Centuries was like I was watching a lot of his videos and he was talking about fulfillment mm-hmm. with music and all this stuff. And I wanted to go up and like, I'm waiting in line being like, yeah, man, I'm going to tell him like, man, you're such an inspiration and you inspired me to go and like follow my passion. And I got up to the front of the line and like walked up to him. and I was like, hey, that was really great. Can I get a picture? <laughs> and I was just like this super awkward picture of me. I didn't say anything I wanted to. I just like looked uncomfortable and felt like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. It's like, um, like, did, is there ever been like a moment where you, you've met you've met another another drummer and you've just been like you've been kind of like just starstruck i guess in a sense where it's like like holy sh- like that's there they are and you're just seeing them play uh well meeting chris adler was kind of crazy like yeah oh yeah from this from um and shredders from shredders and metal i walked into like the makeup room and i just like walk around the corner and he's just sitting there he's like and i was like oh hey man I'm Derek. He's like, hey, I'm Chris. And I'm thinking like, I know. <laughs> like, I, I know who you are. <laughs> Man, I really I really wanted to see see that live. I really, really wanted to. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. I wish I was there too. But... <laughs> Corey, have you oh, ever wow. been uh, like starstruck by anyone? Um, Kai Hansen uh, from Gamma Ray Halloween. I was asked to do catering for 
Gamma Ray when they were playing in Montreal. So I, I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. So I went and literally was making coffee and and putting out sandwiches and everything like that. And then uh, it was after the guys showed up because they're texted everything during the day. But then the guys showed up and were in their room. And I was like, all right, got to check on, make sure there's enough coffee you know, like always make sure there's fresh coffee going. That was like my job. Uh, <laughs> and I walk in and I just saw the back of him and his the sides of his pants. And I was like, that's Kai Hansen. And I literally just turned around and walked away. I was like, no, I can't. I can't talk to him right now. <laughs> but then before they went on stage, uh, like I, I cheers him and I was like, you know, kill it out there. Because like, dude, he's like biggest inspiration when it comes to power metal and and how I got into the types of metal that that made Crimson what it is and all the stuff he did in early Halloween was like, uh, so that that was pretty crazy. But super nice guy. And last time Halloween was in town, we actually hung out all night at the bar with him and and had some great conversation. And yeah, if for some reason he wanted to hang oh, out with us. He, uh, he didn't. Afterwards. He didn't remember was, you as that guy who recognized him by his pants <laughs> <laughs> no he had no idea that 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 happened i didn't bring it up no, he knows talk now to him if he listens um i'm, send, I'm yeah. sending this to him yeah he's probably listening <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> but that, that that's really I, I guess the only time um realistically how about you dylan yeah. um meeting marco miniman was 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 kind of was wild that, like oh, be crazy. that guy is just absolutely insane and i was trying to like pick his brain about his time with uh necrophagist right and and everything i wanted to say was like in like i was like rehearsing in my head what i was going to ask him like the questions i was going to ask him and then when you get up to the the front this is like after he did a clinic right so it's like going up to the front and kind of like taking a photo with him and and it's just like that was really good. Yeah, that was like identical to my story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like the same thing. It's like, yeah. it's like everything that you wanted to ask in that one, one moment. It's yeah. like, it could just I have some of your hair <laughs> leaks? <laughs> yeah, man. That's, um, I'd like to think that I would be better at it now. Like I just remember walking away from that situation being like, Derek, that was not good. You did not do good there. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like just just giving yourself like the post the post game like pep talk, just like yeah. like ah, oh, you should have you should have gone out there given one hundred ten percent full nine yards sports ball, but yeah. didn't. <laughs> you you really shouldn't have shit your pants instead of crying in front of him. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you really <laughs> fucked that up, Derek. Like, fuck. At least he'll remember me. <laughs> um, so, guys, That's I feel right. like we're uh, we're running low on time here. We've been. Uh, <laughs> I think it's good that we didn't have a game plan for this one because uh, we just end up chatting. I think we're gonna have to do this again at some point. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man, absolutely. I I feel like we could do this uh, for like the next four yeah. hours. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like the, I have a list of stuff here that we didn't even touch. So, <laughs> you know, well, it's great when like when we get together and things just flow naturally and, you know, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it feels good. Hopefully our listeners uh, enjoy yeah. it as well. You can feel the vibes that are going on. I'm definitely right interested now. if anybody you know? has had a, a moment where they felt starstruck and met somebody. Uh, I want to hear about that. We should get people to send that out. 
win a set of free sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let us know, and we'll send you a free pair of sticks. Uh, we'll pick one winner uh, when this episode is released. So, yeah, just sh- shoot us an email. We're talking drums at gmail dot com or uh, Facebook, Instagram. Just get us the information, and we'll figure the rest. Mm-hmm. Out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Corey, as usual, it was a pleasure. Yeah, same with yourself. It's always great to see you. Thanks face. so much for having me. Oh. That was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, everybody. Uh, until next week, take it easy. And keep drumming. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.